Oh, good afternoon, everybody. Wow, you now you can hear me. Welcome to the compassion class. We all know what you can be working on. So this is one of those classes. If you've come here, you want to work on compassion. Nope. Nope, I don't have... I think that other room is full. I don't have time for that. Don't have time. So, okay. We are so excited you are here. If you don't know me, my name is Clint Hill. I am the branch minister at Brookside uh, Park Plaza, which is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so uh, I used to do campus ministry, did campus ministry for like 10 years and uh, I love campus ministry. It's like the heart blood of our church. It is a fantastic place to be. Uh, like I said, I'm Clint. This is my beautiful bride, Kelsey Hill. We have two children, Asher and Lily. If you don't know who they are, they are the cutest kids in the room. Very easy to spot them. They're very, very cute. And uh, that was a joke. They're a Apparently, mess. we need to work on our jokes in this room as well. <laughs> and then we will go on. And so... They're great influences. I don't know what you're talking about. It's not the parenting at all. Here we go. So today we're going to be talking about compassion and what compassion is and what God thinks, what God knows compassion is and how we can practically do it. We are super practical people. Uh, you know, I, like when I get Legos, the first thing I do with my son's Legos is I look at the instructions. I want to figure out how to do it. We are practical, and we're going to put some building blocks and give you some tools on how to be compassionate. Now you can hear me better. So, all right, so uh, let's say a quick prayer, and then we'll jump right in, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for everything you've done. And God, I just pray with every ounce of me that, God, we are compassionate, that, God, you teach us how to be compassionate, that you revive our compassion, Father God. And that, God, we love you with every breath of us. And because we love you, we do what you say. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. When they gave me this class, I was kind of shocked. Because uh, I'm not the most compassionate of people. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of a... I grew up on a farm. You know, and things become... Like animals become animals. You know, and, and uh, things... I mean, I just grew up on a farm. You know, like my little sister, she grew up and we had this pig. And she named this pig Radar. And I said, you don't need to do that. And she said, why? And I said, radar is not going to be a radar. You need to keep your eye on the prize. We need to name that thing bacon. And she was like, no, it's radar. It's got cute, cute little ears, and it can see it. His name is radar. And I was like, all right, you're, you're lost, all right. And then when, when radar got fat enough, we slaughtered him. And we ate him. And my little sister would be like, I grew up on a farm. I know people are like, that's how we grew up. And uh, my little sister at the dinner table would be crying while we were having bacon. And she'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Radar, you're so delicious, you know? So it's super ironic that I'm teaching a compassion class. And we all need Jesus' help with it. But I can tell you, like, I'm uh, on the other side of compassion. If there's a cause or something behind it, I can get behind it 100%. I can get behind it and I go for it in, in good or bad. But when I'm in, I am 100% in. And, and, you know, and so it kind of depends on my mood. So sometimes I can be very cruel and sarcastic, or sometimes I can be all in. What about you, babe? 
I think we both at times struggle with feeling for a fellow man. I can be like, man, they deserve this, they deserve this, and not have any compassion. And Clint's like, oh, you're a member, this is kind of their background, and we kind of balance each other that, you know, that way. And if I'm feeling that way, then Clint kind of balances out. So surrounding yourself with people that have compassion. When we're tired, when we haven't had a vacation, when we hadn't had family time, then we tend not to have compassion um, towards other people. But it's hard for both of us, I think. Yeah. I grew up, I was skeptical because of my past. Compassion comes very hard for me because I had to get very hard. Um, I was abused from the time I was four to the time I was seven. I was abused as a kid. Uh, I was sexually abused by a boys rancher at our boys ranch that, we, that my parents were house parents at. And because of that, I, uh, I really had a hard time with trusting people. And I always believed that people's motives were, uh, were nefarious. I always believe that, if you have to look that up, look that up. That's a Google word of the day today. So, but uh, I always believe people's, people were, 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 I was just skeptical. And because of that skepticism, I had a hard time trusting and, and let alone being compassionate, seeing eye to eye, because I always thought they wanted something. I always thought the other shoe was about to drop. So. I, my background is I was raped when I was in high school, and so from that and some from other things as well, then I have a hard time um, letting people in, um, especially my husband, especially Clint. That's um, Yeah. Six months into our marriage, I looked at him, and I, I said, I'm not attracted to you. Six months <laughs> into marriage. And... Um, I kind of had a history of being cold-hearted and a bee. I was, and I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> I kind of was like, this is who I am. And, um, you know, I, I liked it to a degree. Yes, uh, six months into it, we worked it out, by the way. We've been married now, we've yes. been married now to, uh, almost 11 years. And so I know, shocking, she'd stay with me that long. Because at six months, I was like, it's over. <laughs> you know, like... But, you know, and so if you're looking at this and you're saying, why are these people up there? We ask the exact same question. You're looking at God going, what are you trying to teach us? And God was like, compassion. (laughs) And you're in the right class. You're in the right class. Because of our stories aren't done with being cold-hearted, Kelsey and I have a fantastic marriage, and what's beautiful about it is we do allow people into our marriage. We do allow, allow people to come in, and we do allow... It's, it's a two-way street, which is really awesome. And you can work through being compassionate while fighting tendencies of being a bee and also finding tendencies of being skeptical. You can still follow Jesus and do what Jesus says. You can still do it, which is one of the most freeing things I think anyone could think of. And so what is compassion and why do we need it? So kind of a classic definition, I just looked up compassion, um, a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who has stricken by mis- who has been stricken by misfortune, accompanied with a strong desire to alleviate that suffering. That's from goodoldictionary.com. Um, but I kind of thought about that when I looked that up and I was like, something's wrong with that because that's not Christ's definition of what compassion is. And as we kind of look at Christ's character and what he had he has done for people. Um, and some of these kind of sound weird, but he turned over tables through compassion. Um, he was down on his hands and knees drawing in the sand to take eyes off of a hurt woman. Um, he was healing what society thought was unhealable people. Um, he was raising people from the dead. So 
stopping at that deep, the feeling of a deep sympathy, um, it's about connection with people. Um, if you were down last night in the forum with Janice and Robert, um, they talked about kind of that connection out of weakness, and that's what compassion is about. Um, and it doesn't stop at the feeling or the desire to help someone, um, but through our example, through Christ, it's an action. You know, compassion doesn't always just uh, is, doesn't only allow us to connect with people. It allows us to do the most important thing, which is look more like Jesus, which is what we're all after, right? We want to look like Him. We realize that He's the guy. He's He's the standard. And so we want to do what he did, and we want to be compassionate where he was compassionate. And so, and so we want to be compassionate about the right things. Uh, compassion is, is more than just feeling empathetic towards one another, but compassion is about true connection with an individual. That's what it's about. It's about looking at an individual and going, I, I'm connecting with you. And you may not even, and you can be compassionate with someone who hasn't even gone through the same scenarios or life struggles that you have gone through. You can be compassionate in any circumstance because when they are sad, you can remember when you were sad and what Jesus did for you when you were sad. It's about connection with that person. And that is being compassionate. When I'm talking to someone about, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of marital counseling right now and everything. And so when I'm talking to people, to couples about being married and they're talking about, want, you know, the desire to cheat on their wife, I've never had that. But I can connect with it being angry at my wife for some strange reason. How do we work through that? I can have compassion. Now, I'm not saying be compassionate to those people who want to connect with, cheat on your wife. That's not what I'm saying. That compassion, though, allows me to connect with them and go, let's move to a deeper purpose. Because I have the exact same anger towards my spouse, and yet I don't cheat on them. I don't think that's what Jesus would want us to do. And because I connected with them, I can meet them on their level. And isn't that exactly what Jesus did with us? He connects with us wherever we are. And he connects with us, and he says, I know where you've been. Follow me. You don't have to stay there any longer. Uh, the difference between compassion and mercy, I believe, is compassion is about connecting. Mercy is about stopping the pain from happening. And sometimes in a crisis mode, we need to have mercy and, and we need to stop the bleeding. Absolutely, that needs to happen, mercy. But compassion is about connection more than it is about stopping the bleeding. Compassion towards the right things. This is a big thing right now. Is, is compassion toward the things that matter. We're going to show a little video right now, and it's a very famous State Farm video right now, and it's about having compassion. And I want, I'd like to know what y'all think. Can y'all see it? Probably would help if we unmuted it. That's right.
by doing. Okay, you can stop right there. Visit State Farm's neighborhood. This is called the Social Compassion Crusader. That's what it's called. And there's a branch in, our, in, in, in the church right now that is like, you got to serve at homeless shelters. You got to feed the unfortunate. You got to do everything in your part. And they give and they give and they give, but they don't give right now for Jesus. They give to make themselves feel better. Just like the guy in the video. I thought it was very ironic that when he's trying to play basketball, he looks over longingly and he sees all these people looking at him. And I, I mean, me, if I saw that, I'd be like, hey, crowd. You know, like, I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not always, like, every time I see the polar bear, I'm like, what do you want me to do? All right? How can I help polar bears? All right? I'll drink more Coke. There, I'll drink more Coke. That will help the polar bears. You know? And it's frustrating because people are like, if you would just do something, then that would relieve the wave of, that would relieve the burden of being on you. And I'm like, no, that's not true at all. It's not true at all. Social compassion crusader is a lie. And it makes compassion actually look weak, in my opinion. Because it looks like if I help out a homeless person, or I volunteer at a boys and girls club, or if I feed that dog then I will change the world. And the problem with that is I. Because it's not about him. It's not about what Jesus did and how, what Jesus can do in your life. And I have some people who go, well, when you give them a meal, then you can talk to them about Jesus. I have never in my, t in my 10 years of being in ministry seen that happen. Because when we do things, and this is why I think we have a problem with compassion, we think, I just need to be more active. No, that's not what it means. It means we need, it, and it's not bad to help out. I don't want people to be like, what did you learn in Clint's class? Well, I'm not going to help out a homeless shelter. That's going to run, you know? That's not what I want you to leave with. But helping for a social justice cause isn't bad, but you've got to ask, who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it before the creator of the universe? Most social compassion... Oh, you, this is sorry, baby. Usually... <laughs> stole my stuff. Um, no, but it, I mean, we do those things sometimes to make ourselves feel better. Um, so someone will see us making a meal from the homeless or someone will see us do something and that's not the heart. It goes deeper than that. Um, so let's look at Matthew 6, um, 19 through 21. It says, do not store up for ourselves, um, for ourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What Jesus is trying to say here is that when you just give to help someone, in that moment, you're not helping them at all. Because that person that you gave a food to, yeah, they get food for that very meal, but they're still going to hell. There's a bigger picture right there. There's a bigger picture. And giving them food is not bad, and giving them clothes is not bad, but they will perish. And our job isn't to just give them food. Our job is to give them the bread of life. And that is what true compassion looks like. There are another types of compassion out there right now. Right now, there is the animal compassionate warrior. Yeah. Let me sing this song for you and see how many people tear up. In the arms of an angel. 
angel. How many people just pictured the pit bull coming up? Fly from here. You're just sitting there. I mean, first time I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm crying. Why am I crying over dogs? Stupid Sarah McLaughlin, you know? Like, I mean, oh. And this is one, I believe, of the hardest compassions to kick. You know, there's a thing that happened a little while ago, and it was a terrible thing that happened. I'm not suggesting uh, that it was good in any which way, shape, or form, but it, it was bad. It was a bad scenario. And you see, they had this gorilla at the Cincinnati Zoo. Remember this? Hamrabe? Yeah, we made some memes. It was funny. Yeah, we got through it. But this whole gorilla, I can tell you're all compassionate, bleeding hearts. Like, the first guy's like, ah, memes. <laughs> you didn't even go to gorillas. You didn't even go to gorillas. But we, they had this thing at the Cincinnati Zoo, and it opened my eyes to how far society has come. Because what was said at the, at the end of the article is just some of the most heinous things I have ever seen about human life. Uh, people, people so, uh, I mean, it was sad that they had to kill the animal, and it was terrible that the kid got in the pen in the first place, but what I saw was a deeper part of humanity at the end of those comment sections that said, the kid deserved to die over the animal. The, that is justice when the gorilla gets to kill the kid. Then true justice will happen. One guy, one guy said, that's just consequences of the situation. You let your kid in the pen. And I'm sitting there like... It's a human life. And what was really funny is I went and I looked up at all those guys because it's Facebook and we could totally stalk. All those guys were single. They don't have kids, which I thought was really funny. Because my kids, I can totally tell you, I look away for five minutes and they'll be on the moon. <laughs> You're saying, how did you get up there, you know? I mean... I, it is a hard, terrible situation, but it made me look at the situation of, of what is going on. It's when did animals become more important than people? I think this is just in perspective. God did not come to save animals. Um, they, they may be saved in the process of human salvation, um, but that's not the reason. God didn't allow his son to die to be so, so our dogs, our cats, are whoever can, can go to heaven, not for dogs, not for cats, not for animals. And I think just in, in salvation, he came, we need to remember that he came for us. And don't get me wrong, like we have, we have a dog, we love her, um, you know, and she's even, we've had dogs and pets that are even a part of our ministry. We had a lab. If you were crying in our house, then her head would be in your lap until you stopped crying. Like, she was our therapy dog, and she, you know, people, college kids would come over to our house because they were missing their pets at home and just pet her. And she was a part of our ministry. Um, but when we moved to Tulsa to continue our ministry, because that's where God was calling us, then we gave them away. We didn't pack them up. We knew that we were going to be in an apartment, and that just wasn't going to happen. And um, so I think, you know, keeping that in perspective... What's funny is we'll always run into opposition when we talk about this on this one right here. They're like, homeless, yeah. Dogs, how dare you? <laughs> That's a condition of your heart. It is. It's a horrible condition of the heart. Now, yeah, we got a dog. I like my dog. She's a good dog. She's a deer hound. Cool dog. Yeah. And then I love people like, well, I, you know, and they're like, isn't she your baby? No, she's not my baby. You know, aren't you a good daddy? I'm not her daddy. I'm her owner. All right. This is not, I did not give birth. And like, hey, look at this. You know, like, 
I, well, I would never have given birth. Kelsey would have done it. And then, you know, anyway, there's just a weird scenario right here that I don't want to get into. But when I, when I talk to people about that and they'll be like, oh, isn't she your baby? I'm like, no. Because if I put my kids in a kennel for nine hours, you'd call DHS. <laughs> With a dog, you don't. It's not the same. It's not the same. When my dog wakes me up in the middle of the night, I kick it. When my kids wake me up, I welcome them. It's not the same. It's not the same. Animals. Uh, Luke 2, 12, 24. It's not, even, it's not even me saying this. This is God saying this. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, and they have no store or barn or storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And this is the most important part of that verse that we always miss. And yet, how much more valuable are you than birds? You are valuable. People are more valuable to God than animals. But yet, this is the hardest compassion I've seen that people have to get over. I. I wasn't going to say this, but I, I will say this. I, I talked to someone one time, and we were talking about love of people and love of animals. And I said, if it came down to your dog or someone you never met going to hell, what would you choose? And they had to think. That is not what Jesus came to do. We've got to have compassion in the right areas. There's another compassion, uh, that there's another war, warrior out there that we need to talk about too. So we got the social constrator, we got the animal compassion, and then we got the Chick-fil-A activist, all right? <laughs> it's like, this kind of compassion is usually rallied behind a political cause, all right? Notably, that when a certain, certain chicken restaurant faced resilience from uh, the political left in our country, Christians flocked to this food chain. I saw people buy 20, 30 sandwiches. I was like, what are you doing? We're going to hand them out to the poor. Which kind of puts you in boat number one. But you're sitting there like, huh. What, 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 are you buying it because it's good chicken? No. I'm buying it because they don't agree with me. And it became all about me again. That's not compassion. This kind of compassion, you know, these, these kind of things. Is this the kind of compassion that Jesus was talking about? Is feeding people and saving puppies really what Jesus wants us to do in this life? Let's ask. So looking at like bleeding hearts versus compassion, and when you put yourself in a position of a bleeding heart, um, we want to control and we want to be the savior um, of their situation. And that's not the compassion that we're looking for. I've tried that compassion. Being the savior for somebody is tiring. <laughs> And you get tired, and you put yourself in you put yourself in a situation that sometimes you can't get out of, and um, that means we're placing our savior in the wrong spot. Um, and but sometimes in that process, you discover that you need a savior. And when you are um, in that boat with the person that you are compassionate towards and you both come to the realization that you need a savior, then that's where you need to be. And that's compassion. Compassion isn't stopping the consequences um, of someone that you're being compassionate towards, but it's allowing the, co the consequences of sin to take place. And we learn through our consequences, and I think we can all be testimonies of, of that, that we learn through our consequences. So it's not that we want to stop consequences for somebody else, and sometimes that can be really hard to watch. Um, 
those consequences happen. Um, compassion may be physically feeding people um, and helping causes, but we can't forget the greater call of those actions that we do, the opportunities that we have maybe to feed people. Um, but the greater call, the goal, is you want them to know the Savior that you know. And um, we lose sight of that and can get caught up in the hands and feet of it and not um, their salvation. You know, go with me to Luke chapter 17, verse 11. We're going to read 11 through 19 real quick, okay? And I think this is the best thing that I could ever sh ever tell you on how Jesus had compassion with people and what Jesus did. So it's Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. All right? Here we go. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Sam uh, Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village when ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And they went, and they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this order? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. There's a difference in this story between being made well, being healed, and being cleansed. Who has Jesus made well in this story? Which one? It's okay. Who did Jesus make well in the story? Yeah, the one who came back. He's the only one who received healing. The others were just cleansed. That's all they were. They were given a food at a food bank, and then no one talked to them about the bread of life. No one took an interest in them. No one said, you don't have to go to hell. Let me enter into your life. Let me show you what, I can, what God can do with you. No one said that. There's only one who is healed. And is it good to go on a mission trip and feed the hungry and spend time with needy and eat a delicious chicken sandwich? Yes. But we're, are we trying to cleanse them? Are we trying to heal them? You know, I think mission trips right now, our church, uh, our church does a lot of mission trips, which is pretty cool um, in some scenarios. When I have someone come up to me and, and say, hey, I think I should go on a mission trip, my first thought and my first thing that I ask the question that I ask him is well are you doing the mission now no but I'll do it in Guatemala why it's in Guatemala <laughs> that's like three grand later why don't you do it now that's always my response I can tell you how many people have come up to me and said I know need to go on a mission trip that is doing the mission where they're at zero why? Because God put you where you are. And if you're not going to live for God where at your home is, uh, one of my favorite author, uh, some of my favorite authors are Cloud and Townsend. They said, who you are at home is who you really are. <laughs> who you are at home is who you really are. Are you compassionate right now? Are you on the mission right now? Because if you're not, what makes you think you're going to do it somewhere else? Are you trying to just cleanse people? Are you trying to save them? That's a big question we got to ask. 
So we're looking at apathy as well, and that's a terrible sin. That's something that I can definitely identify with. Um, but because some of our past circumstances, because our personality, because jobs that we've had, the family we grew up in, um, we don't, this sounds weird, but we don't feel feelings very well. <laughs> a lot of times in my prayers is, Lord, help me feel joy today. Because <laughs> that, that's something I don't, it doesn't come natural to me because I've, taught myself to lose that, you know, but just feeling feelings. Um, I was a lot like a leper. I didn't feel much, um, but with me, it wasn't a skin problem. It was a heart problem, um, and my heart was immune to feeling any kind of feelings. Um, it was modeled for me and my family, um, and I can separate myself uh, very easily from situations, um, but how did I get over that and allow um, feelings for myself and towards other people, um, I truly started being in true relationships with people. Um, and that changed my heart. Because when you know someone on a personal level in a true relationship and you know what they've been through and they know what you've been through, then it's easier to feel compassion towards them, right? You know their story. You know, man, they've come so far. Or, you know, so um, I can feel for them and I can have compassion towards them when they mess up or when they're struggling. Um, also, I continually I, ask. I got one thing with God, that. One of our elders came up one time and we, had, we have a coffee shop where we are when I was a campus minister. We had some guys outside smoking cigarettes, they were guys that we were reaching out to. And the elder came up and said, Clint, you have people in your ministry outside right now smoking cigarettes. I said, are you sure it was cigarettes? And he went, yes. And I said, progress. Because <laughs> we reached out to a whole bunch of weed heads. And they were like, I don't want to do drugs anymore. And when he saw the overjoy on my face because I had a relationship with those guys and I knew what they were giving up and where they were going, and I was like, yeah, it's still not good but it's not illegal, not good, all right? And our, our guy was like, and, and, and encouraged that elder, who's the oldest elder in our, men, in our church, to get to know those guys. And he said, maybe I need to see where they're coming from. Now they don't smoke, which is awesome, because Jesus is still, Jesus wasn't done with them yet, which is awesome. He's still not done with me yet. I can't wait to see what I look like in 10 years. Hopefully I grow up. Hope, you know, like, like you know. But it's really exciting to see that. It's a really exciting when you have a relationship with people, how much compassion you truly have. And I just think with that too, like I can continually have to pray for Jesus to change my heart towards people, right. for me to be able to feel feelings for myself and for other people um, because I struggle with that. So it's a continual thing. And I don't, know if compassion really comes just natural or the right compassion comes natural to any of us or no it doesn't for me um so so how do we receive this new heart how do we become compassionate go with me to matthew chapter 7 verse 7 real quick we're going to go through 7 and 8 all right matthew chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 so chapter 7 verses 7 and 8 it says this Ask. Did you get it? You want me to say it again? Ask. Say it with me. Ask. Ask. No, you don't have fooling behind that. There's no compassion behind that. Say it. Ask. 
That's all you got to do. That's it. Here we go. We're going to finish out. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I love that. That's one of my, I, I love that because that is, the, that is practicality at its best. How do you get it? You ask God for it. Then you seek opportunities to be compassionate. And this is to tell you, have you, can you be compassionate and grit your teeth? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I was compassionate. Like, this is the dumbest person I've ever met. <laughs> but I'm here. And God's working on my attitude towards it. And I can meet you where you are. Because I remember what it was like to be in your shoes. Identify. These are, these are four things that I think we can get from this. Identify that you need help connecting with people because of something in your life that's preventing you from connecting with people. You need help with connecting people because of blank. Ask, get help with the blank that's preventing you from getting next to people. Mine was trust. I had a hard time trusting people, so I asked God, how do you trust people? And then he showed me how he trusted people. He showed me what he did when people, when people rallied against him and when people got in little corners and they tried to, to kick him out and everything. And they tried to crucify him on a cross. Jesus showed us how he'd handled those kind of people. So we need to identify what's keeping us from getting compassion. We need to ask God for help with it. We need to seek God's wisdom through the scriptures and in prayer in my community with what's keeping me from him. And the very last thing, which I think is my absolute favorite thing, knock and the door will be opened. We need help facing the things in our past. Did you know that? You can't do it on your own? Was Jesus a spiritual Rambo and did those, all this by himself? No, he had 12 people with him. And what's funny is we have more access to that because I guarantee everyone on their Facebook page has more than 12 friends. All right? I was like, you're bad. All right? <laughs> like, you got more than here, and I'm sure we're going to be friends. All right? You need help facing what you can't do alone. And you cannot open the door yourself. Look, get that in the When you knock on the door, what will happen to the door? You don't open it. God does. It's our job to walk through it. That's our job. And then we can open through the door and we can go through it. And the last thing that I think we need to do with compassion is we need to have compassion on our enemies. So how do we have compassion on the people that hurt you? Um, we have to forgive. Um, you have to get help to move past the pain that was done to you. And um, there's a quote that I read recently from Winston Churchill, and it said, if you find yourself in hell, then keep going. You don't have to stay there. And I think, you know, when you are on this line and you're asking, how do I forgive you know, what does that look like? What does that type of compassion look like? Um, and it's through community. You can't do it alone. You have to ask all of those things. Um, and there are resources, you know, around you more than you think there is. You, you may have access to a healing as a choice or some of the things that Janice and Robert were talking about downstairs. Um, forgiveness is letting you, and if you can't revive your compassion, um, if you're holding a grudge, 
You can't revive your compassion when you're holding a grudge. Ladies, we're really good at this, right? <laughs> we don't forget, <laughs> dang it, you know, um, but moving past that grudge um, is connected uh, with our revival in compassion. Um, in Hebrews 12, 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows and causes trouble and defiles many. When you don't forgive, then you're saying to the person that has harmed you that they're falling short of grace. And we're putting ourselves in that position to say that they fall so again, we have this forever battle that we're in that we want to be the savior, that we want to be the judge, right? And placing him at the correct place that he's the judge and our part is to forgive. Um, and our part is not, we're determining at that point who's going to hell and who's not. So we're being the judge and our place is to forgive. Realizing that the person, the people, whoever has, has hurt us, the person needs um that you need to forgive, they may deserve hell, but so do you. And that's hard. <laughs> so do I. To go back, yeah, so do I, all of us. That's what, you know, and that's a hard um, thing to remember sometimes and a hard thing to be like, okay, we're, we're working on the same plane here. Um, um, if we don't forgive, then a bitter root can grow um, in us and not just defile us, but defile many people around us, just like we read in Hebrews. You know, one of my, this is one of my favorite quotes that I'm going to give you guys. It's by Martin Luther King Jr. And he says this. He says, to our most bitter opponents, we say, do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. Throw us in jail and we will still continue to love you. Send your hooded perpetrators and we will still continue to love you. Be assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. And one day we will win freedom not only for ourselves. We shall appeal to your heart and your conscience in the process. And then we shall win you to the Lord in that process. And our victory will be his victory. That's awesome. I was raped by the same guy from the age of four to the age of seven. The hardest thing I ever had to do in my life was to forgive him. I know how hard it is to forgive. But I also know how freeing it is to forgive as well. And I don't think you can't have freedom. You cannot have freedom without compassion. You can't have that peace without compassion. And it's allowed me to become more compassionate. Um, we have compassion on our enemies. We win them to Christ so that they will be, not so that they will be in our lives again. I don't care if I see Tim ever again in my life. If God puts them in my path, then we'll have a new class. I don't know what I'm going to do. I would like to think I put them, in, he put them on my path and I'm, not, I'm definitely going to not let them watch my kids, you know. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But he, he, he did that and he, he forgives so that I can move on from the pain that they've caused me. Compassion comes out best when we remind her that we have been on a journey 
with Jesus. We have one little video, and then we're going to end the class. This video right here, I feel like i got to set it up for a minute, because if you want compassion, I think this is this movie that just caught, captured it in an amazing, amazing way. All right, yeah. One of my favorite parts of this movie, in the movie Moana, if you haven't seen it, you have five months. That's your bad, okay? All right. In the movie Moana, there is this bad guy named Taka. And then Taka is this lava monster. And what they're doing is they're trying to free uh, Taka. And, and they're trying to take this heart back to, this, to, the, to the island so that the island will grow again, which is really an awesome story in every which way. And so, and so this is what happens when Moana, the hero of the story, meet, reaches the monster of the story in every which way. Let's take a look and see what happens. Tefiti. It's gone. Let her come to me. with me and why it has to fill with compassion and everything because that monster right there was me and Moana was Jesus and Jesus looked at us and he says I know who you are I know what you be can become and I know what you can do 
And then isn't that true what Jesus does? He gives us back our heart. And he makes us a new creation. You may have a problem with compassion. You're in the right place, guys. Everyone in here can, has a little bond of brotherhood that they didn't have before. We are all having a hard time. But just remember that Jesus gave us, gave us back our new heart. And with that new heart comes creation, not destruction. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a stupid Disney movie being so poignant. And I've seen, even though I've seen that probably a hundred times with my kids, every time in that I tear up because I look at myself and I realize I was the monster. And you did something with me. You've changed me in a way that, that can't be undone. Thank you for that. Thank you for giving us back our heart. God, I pray that we are compassionate. And God, I pray we're compassionate for you. We're not bleeding hearts to where we look at a puppy and just cry for hours, Father God. But God, that we see people and we see what you can do in their life. And that excites us because, God, there's a work for us to do. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys.